Hey, movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 221. Last week, we talked about the worst CGI. Now, because sometimes we feel like being optimists, we're going to talk about the best CGI. Again, this is going to be different than some other, like, best CGI of all time lists, because it's more skewed towards our personal favorites. Like, there's going to be ones that I'm sure have been covered in some of those other lists, but this is more of just stuff that resonated with us. And is 100% based on stuff that we found interesting watching Corridor Crew videos. Uh, that being said, Josh, how are you doing tonight? <laughs> Chilling like a villain as always, my dude. It's uh, been a you know pretty busy week work-wise because I'm having to work a lot to make sure that uh, I don't get hit financially when I take three days off at the end of this week for my birthday. So there's that. Uh, but other than that, it's, it's been pretty chill, honestly. You watching anything good lately or reading anything um, in your case? So I just finished uh, The Builders, which is written by Bob. I can't remember who it's. Oh, I hate you for that joke. I hate that joke. I, I'm awful with authors, unfortunately. That's why I always post the books on my Instagram, just so people see the covers, and because I can't remember authors to save my life. Um, but the builders is basically like <laughs> I described it as the author was basically said, "Hey, what if we did Seven Samurai, but with animals and in the Wild West, like with guns and stuff? Like it's cool, it's really fun, but uh, it it and it's very short. It just doesn't. It's it's not as good as I had hoped it would be. Um, the only thing I've watched outside of you know Adventure Time and catching up on some anime this week, uh, was a movie on Netflix starring Christian Bale called A Pale Blue Eye. I've wondered about that. That's been on my queue for a little bit. Um, I cannot recommend it enough. Um, really incredible. Um, it does. How do I say this in a non-spoiler manner? It kind of takes you on, a, on a, an illusionist type ride where you think you know what the story is and then there's the big reveal and you go, okay, cool. And then there's the bigger reveal and you're like, oh, not the illusionist. Sorry, 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 sorry. Um, I was about to say, that is a fast one, way the, to the, lose me. The one with Christian Bale. I can't remember Prestige, the name of the, the Prestige. The better one. Yes, obviously. So it, it's it's honestly very, very good. Um, it... it you can tell they're being very sparse on the details, but you can't figure out why until the end and stuff like that. It's very good. He's um, cloning himself. <laughs> the uh, dialogue is, uh, is Edgar Allan Poe, so you have to like. Re- there's a lot of lot of poetry happening in in the movie, and it it's really awesome. Um, and you know, just like generally, like a bunch of heavy hitting uh actors just chewing up scenery so there's that <laughs> like it's so good i honestly can't recommend it enough interesting i i do love the prestige you almost lost me when you said the illusionist because yeah i know i i guess i get them both that mixed movie, up all the time i was so disappointed maybe it's just because i've watched so much stuff that i could piece the illusionist together real quick uh but yeah that one's been in my queue for a little bit uh That's i i really have not been watching a whole lot this week, and I'll explain why in a little bit here. But uh, I did watch something. Heather and I watched the new John Mulaney special, uh, Baby J. Yeah. Because we're both really big fans of John Mulaney. It's probably my least favorite special. It's still funny, but like, it's a weird watch to say the least. It's just <laughs> him for an hour and 20 minutes talking about how sucky rehab is, but he's glad his 12 friends saved his life and going, 
am I allowed to laugh at this? Like, <laughs> but uh, also, yeah, I've I've heard bits and cl- uh, bits and pieces. Yeah, like it's not bad. Uh, but the good thing it? with uh, normally what I like about John Mulaney is he's kind of all over the place, and you know, cocaine will do that to you. Uh, but this one is. <laughs> It's very much just like, I really hope you're on board with this one narrative that I'm telling you. Because normally, like, comedians will go different routes and kind of have mm-hmm. different subsections to their set. It really does just feel like one subset stretched out between an hour and 20 minutes. It's not bad. It's I just think it's probably his weakest of all of them. But at the same time, it's his most personal. So I can completely respect yeah. that. Because he just straight up opens. He's just like... I don't know how to start this show because you've had a weird couple years. I've had a weird couple years. <laughs> I'm sure we've all had the same experiences. Quarantining, wearing a mask, getting divorced, having your public image changed about you. You know. I'm going, <laughs> yeah. Like I'm bro, bro's been through all quite a bit the past couple of years and not just saying COVID, but like, geez, dude. <laughs> yeah. So like it was, it was, it was fine. Uh, but the reason I haven't been watching anything else is this game called Jedi Survivor came out on oh, Friday. Oh, is that all? <laughs> Guys, I hate real-life responsibilities that take me away from things because <laughs> if it wasn't for this podcast and having to work this past weekend, I wouldn't, like, see the sun right now because I've just been spending more and more time in that. Cause... <laughs> so I know that this game is dividing some people. Um, primarily the people that it is dividing is the PC quote unquote master race. Um, as the game is like having a whole bunch of issues for them and I'm going sucks for you. It runs just fine on my PS five. And even some Xbox people are like, it's not working right. I'm going, maybe my standards aren't that high, but it's really performing well on the PS five. Like I have no issues. It's, it's really like the nitty gritty people that care about like the super intense details that are giving it negative reviews. I love it. It's, the first one, except plus, it's like Arkham Asylum going to Arkham City. It's the same thing, but much bigger. It's got a little bit of like a Red Dead Redemption feel to it. If it's like wide open and a little bit of like Wild West in terms of like Mando feels like Wild West. Uh, I just, I love it. And also I totally applaud them for not going full on Metroid with it. And what I mean by that is, yes, you've got all these powers from the last game. Some mysterious thing happens and strips you of all of those right off the bat. No, basically, you are a full-fledged Jedi from the get-go, and they haven't nerfed any of the villains at the beginning of the game yet, so you can, like, one-shot a whole bunch of people. It's glorious. So, like, I'll <laughs> I'll just be a troll of, like, a stormtrooper will be shooting at me from across a ledge. I'll just kind of force-pull them just, like, five feet, and they fall to their death. I'm going, I can't be bothered. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, but also... As a staunch lover of climbing in Uncharted, I don't know why. I just love any platforming like that. They've overdid it with the climbing this, and I love it. Like, you can do the wall run from the last game, but you get a grapple hook, just like Uncharted 4, and it makes traversal even more fun. But the greatest thing that they did for this game, there's fast travel now, and God, yes. does that save you Oh my gosh. so much time. <laughs> like, oh. provided you're not in a critical story element and you're on the same planet, when you go to those meditation points, you can fast travel to any other meditation point that you've discovered. And I'm going, 
oh yes that's the good stuff i don't have to spend half the game backtracking you know as i've been praising how great metroid prime has been the past couple weeks uh i don't always love backtracking but dude jedi survivor is just it's great it's so much fun uh there's a lot more customization options this time around which really makes cal feel more like you're in control of him as opposed to mm. which color poncho do you want and i'm going i'm so glad to never see a poncho ever again screw you the poncho's the best part <laughs> he looked like a bum he looked like a pacha uh from emperor's new groove it's the only character i ever know to wear a poncho oh, man. Uh, but no like I, he's got for mine at least currently because i don't have anything else he's got like nice like almost a khaki like pants and a nice like leather jacket kind of looking like luke's like yellow jacket except not yellow still star wars mm. enough but it looks a little wild west-ish dude i i just really really enjoy it and i'm absolutely stretching this out because we're so light on news this week yeah. as josh and I were talking about before we started recording <laughs> on this dude it, it's really unfortunate how how much CinemaCon was basically like up total robust for anything that could be fun um i understand that cinemacon it was like supposed it's for the you know the execs of the theater people and that's fine but we need <laughs> new. so uh, i guess for me like the only i i just finished uh, i don't know if i've been telling you about it but i just finished dredge uh which is the fishing game with a, with elder elder horror elements in it uh, dude it is crazy how this game that is literally about a dude fishing in a boat in the ocean is sometimes more terrifying than any scary game i've ever played uh you know just giant monsters coming out of the ocean chasing you and there's you know nothing you can do but run uh, it's such a good game um the ending comes not necessarily not out of nowhere in the bad way but like out of nowhere in the oh i didn't realize we were heading in that direction but now that i see it yeah we were heading there all along oh my goodness it's so good i cannot recommend dredge enough i've played it it's like 25 26 bucks on um switch hmm. online so could not recommend that enough yeah i did download on the switch this past weekend uh fall guys and rocket league because there you go free games are the best I didn't know that they were free because they're not free other places. Yes. Um, and I, once again, I love the Switch. It's a great investment that I got for Heather and I. I still will die on the hill that the Switch eShop is the worst shop yes, of all the video game so platforms. It is only good if you know 100% for a fact that the game you're looking for is on there. Other than yes. that, it is so hard to find. It is the Amazon Prime of video game online stores it is so yeah. awful to navigate also slow speeds still love the switch well fix your freaking shop it's terrible um, yeah have you have you gotten to play the fall guys yet yes i did one round here's the thing <laughs> the frame that, rate dog the frame rate as someone that's used to playing on the ps5 i'm going oh no uh, but it's also, bad. like, it took me like a full round to figure out which one was jump and which one is dive. Also, doesn't matter which platform I'm playing on. Not nearly enough Fall Guys players use the dive button. I'll say that. Um, here's the here's the thing. My experience so far with Fall Guys on the Switch, the first round was uber buggy. Like it had problems. Like when it was a full forty person lobby, 
after mm-hmm. that, when it narrows down a little bit more and more, I had less and less problems. So I think it's That's really fair. It's just that first round, and also the first round that I had was that like slip sliding one. So everyone's uh, kind of on the screen at the same time. Yeah. So I'm kind of wondering if that was part of it. Other than that, that first round, I have not had any issues with internet connection. So I'm wondering if it's just how many people are currently in your lobby. But yeah, that's now another option for us to play that and Rocket yes. League and Dead by Daylight and all the other <laughs> Mario-related things. I love that uh, Like, I did not have the option to use my normal like Switch name for my for my character. Uh, so like it just like randomly generated one. I don't know what if it did that for you, but for me, nope. like I have... I my... Oh, wait, I think it might have. I can't remember. So on Bears with Z, right? Uh, on Switch, I am Mute Barnacle. Love that. <laughs> That's almost Cthulhu-esque. I love it. I was a, I was, I'm a big fan of it. Oh, boy. All right. Let's get into like this, whatever, whatever you want to call this like news week, because gosh, there was nothing going on this week. So I, I know there's big fans of this, but you know, it's a slow <laughs> week when Josh and I, our headline news is about the Twisted Metal franchise. Like I, not disparaging the fan base. It's just not high on a priority list. And also, this trailer is like 30 seconds long, and it doesn't show us very much. Uh, but Peak, uh, Universal slash Peacock dropped the first like teaser, an emphasis on teaser, for the yeah, Twisted oh Metal series starring Anthony Mackie. And also, the real reason Josh and I are talking about this, Samoa freaking Joe stars in this show, which I did he not does. know. Well, Although he's apparently he's not in the teaser, so there's yeah, that, he is. Yeah. He is. I gotta go back and rewatch it. I didn't, I barely tooth. paid attention. He's the guy I'm... in the clown mask. What I know, that's why we're talking about this 100%. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, tell me more. Tell me more. There really is not more to that. It's yeah! just, it's just <laughs> one of Josh and I's favorite wrestlers, Samoa Joe, who has voiced a couple characters in various projects. I feel like he's got something that's coming out soon that he's voicing. Uh, but he's playing Sweet Tooth. I believe the character's name is Sweet Tooth. But he's not voicing the character. He's just doing the body of it. Which, if I didn't see online that it was Samoa Joe, I would never have believed it. And I'm going, are you sure? Like, Cousin Eddie and Christmas Vacation, are you sure? Um <laughs> I think it's Will Arnett is actually the one voicing the character, to which I'm just going, interesting. Why Uh, not just have Will Will Arnett do it then? Wait, hold uh, on. Because we know what the character's supposed to look like, and Samoa Joe has a very different body type than Will Arnett, at least last time I checked. Um, I'm not that familiar with Twisted Metal to know if the show lends itself to be, if the game lends itself to be a show. Uh, my knowledge was it was just kind of like, uh, destruction all stars before destruction all stars in terms of you're just driving around destroying other cars, but I'm going to guess there's some form of lore to it. Either that or they're just like video game adaptations are popular as you know, we're recording this on Monday as opposed to our normal Tuesday. If we were recording this on Tuesday, we could talk about that Gran Turismo trailer that's dropping on Tuesday. Uh, I'm going to save you the time. We're going to do both reactions. Wow, that trailer really surprised us. That actually looks promising. Or probably the more realistic, 
that looks like a movie that's coming out this summer. I remember Need for Speed as well. Um, Josh, do you have any more experience with Twisted Metal than I do? I do. I do. Uh, so I guess history lesson. Sure. Um, back in the day uh, when I used to go to my cousin's house and play like play PlayStation games like that was like my interaction, like my first real like uh, interaction with like video games that weren't Nintendo and based people. Yeah, no, screw you. Uh, <laughs> I was popular in middle school. Um, Says the homeschooler. <laughs> okay, you know what? That's a whole t- tangent. I'm not going to go on because I could. We, we've been over this. Uh, anyway, there are no winners uh, in homeschool. No, no, there's not. Um, but that was where I got my first kind of uh, introduction to like Twisted Metal uh, and V8. For those that remember V8, uh, that was a get another game like twisted metal that had guns on cars and it's just cool stupid fun however with twisted metal i think there is a little bit like more lore um i'm not familiar enough to tell you what that lore is but i know the sweet tooth is a big deal um i cool give it like that's uh, the way i'm looking at this is 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 this this is basically going to be death race, but like better because death race is only in a straight line where these guys are going to be going through a forest there. To me, there's a lot more opportunity for cool moments in this than there ever was with death race. I mean, it's also death race, but that's not the point. Uh, is that the one with Jason Statham? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Oh boy. That it is. It's like if final destination and rocket league had a baby and it's not like, you say that like it's a bad thing. I Good want that. It's, it is my least favorite Jason Statham. <laughs> I, you pitch okay, it like that? Enough. You pitch the yeah. movie like that? A Final Destination meets Rocket League? That sounds <laughs> awesome. What are you talking about? Fair enough. Okay. That's just Destruction it's, it's, All-Stars, except maybe actually a complete game. I just, yeah, I, I think Twisted Metal is one of those things that there is lore in there, but um, you're going to really have to pull it out. I think it could be fun as far as like a destruction horror type thing. Um, sure. Apparently I'm going to have to go back and rewatch the tra- teaser. Cause I didn't catch everything. <laughs> also, um, I believe one of our favorite film accounts, three C films pointed this out. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. So in addition to this teaser trailer, they released the first poster. That's what the graphic is for this video. Look at Anthony Mackie's head again. Is it like slightly too big for the graphic? Like it's just a little too big. And it now once you see it, you can't unsee it of Anthony Mackie and his ginormous head driving a car. I'm like, yeah, you did do something to his head. I, I know he thinks highly of himself, but he's not that big headed. <laughs> Anthony Mackie's great too. So I, I, I yeah, I'll see it for him. Guy. I'll see it for him alone. Yeah, yeah I it. Sure, why not? Uh, it's on Peacock, though, so I probably won't end up seeing it. So there's that. <laughs> well, sticking on the Universal train, here's something that we are much more interested in and something we're much more emotionally invested in. Kung Fu Panda 4. So we talked about when it was first announced. And so at CinemaCon, they offered some light details because uh, I don't think they're completely done with it. I think it's supposed to still come out next year. But they talked about some story details. And dude, if I wasn't hyped before, yeah, I'm hyped now. So I don't think this is spoiler territory. They're just kind of 
they pointed in the general direction of what Kung Fu Panda 4 will be. And it sounds so good. So essentially, Kung Fu Panda 4 will see Poe still as the, the dragon warrior trying to find the next dragon warrior, like train the next dragon warrior. And his enemy this time that he's going to be squaring off against will be a character called Chameleon. No, not the Spider-Man villain that's probably going to show up in the Kraven movie instead. Also coming out next year, Kraven Kung Fu Panda crossover, please. Poe, <laughs> live action Poe, still played by Jack Black. Next to Aaron Taylor Johnson, please. Uh, no, but this Chameleon has an interesting power set in that he can, is it bring back all the characters that Poe has fought or he uses the fighting style. I think he brings back all the villains that Poe has defeated before. So like, um, is it Tai, Tai Lung was the first one. Um, Ian McShane and Gary Oldman. Like, I I just remember. Yeah. Um, I don't remember his name. He's a peacock though. Yeah, yeah. This this and will then be on Peacock. The, the big ox guy. J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons. His his theme still gets me too to this day. Like a villain should not have a theme that is like more hype than the actual. Like I mean, the Kung Fu Panda theme is pretty great, but the like that villain theme from Kung Fu Panda Three is Chef's Kiss. Uh, yeah. Like it, it's I'm down. Sure. This everything sounds pretty good. Uh. I am curious about the villain in that I wonder how they're going to do this and make it feel a kind of fresh because that's not necessarily something like that kind of concept isn't necessarily something new. Um, It'll be interesting to see if he's actually bringing back the the past villains or if it's a kind of like a jade warrior type situation from um, kung fu panda 3 where he's bringing back like a representation of them or look like um if that to me if that's the case this will be the last one um if they're gonna force him to face his his past and give him the opportunity to pass on the baton then yeah i i can see this being the being the last one um although I could have seen Kung Fu Panda 3 being the last one. I so, thought 3 was going to be the last one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, at first, I was a little hesitant. As soon as you say, we're bringing back all the old villains, my first thought is, you've gone creatively bankrupt. And Yep. But I think Kung Fu Panda always has that reputation of just like, on paper, it doesn't sound like there'd be a lot of substance there or emotional complexity. But every single time they find an interesting, different facet to bring to the table... What I could see narratively for this, let's psychoanalyze the Kung Fu Panda franchise. Uh, I could see Poe coming to the table and be like, okay, yeah, it's three people I've already beaten before. And then he gets all cocky with it. I'm just like, yeah, I'm the freaking dragon warrior. It's not hard to beat these guys. I could just do it again. And the fourth time around, he has to learn humility. Like he's always been a, Poe has always been a humble, a good, kind soul. What if finally being the Dragon Warrior goes to his head and he has to kind of rediscover his roots of like trying to pass along being the Dragon Warrior here? Just like, no one's worthy of being the next Dragon Warrior. I'm so stressed about being of someone not living up to the success. And then you can get uh, Master Shifu coming along and be like, I'll be honest, when I first saw you, I didn't think you were worthy of it. Look past what you see and look at what they can be type of thing. Like, 
Yeah. He actually has yeah. to become the Master Shifu of the of the story, and I think that's a really cool story direction. I like that as well. Cause and, and now that I'm thinking about it, like I mean, first movie is you know, a the villain is a, one of the biggest mistakes slash biggest villains for Shifu, uh, and from his past. Second movie is uh, from Poe's past, a villain that he did not know existed uh, from his from his past, and then what? Uh, three is someone from Uguay's past that he he ha- had to lock away one of his greatest nemesis. So it would be yeah, like in order to have this guy who has been on top of the world it, by his own doing, but has done it with such humility and, and grace and understanding of others around him be put in this, uh, in this position where he has to look past physical appearances. My only issue is he's always been good at that at looking past what, you know what? No, technically, actually he learns that in, in the third one. Because he doesn't think the pa- that the pandas are going to be able to help him at all, and then he he's able to to teach them some kung fu and have them do stuff that is true to themselves in order to help uh, help fight off the you know forces of evil and stuff. So I I mean, there's definitely some possibilities there. I just don't know. I'm hyped for it. I just don't know how they're going to get there without retreading ground they've already done. So off the top of my head. And this is why I'm not a professional writer, um, because these ideas, once I say them, might sound stupid or it might be onto something. I have four options of who mm-hmm. Dragon Warrior could be. First, a completely new character that they introduce in this one, a la um, Shrek the Third with Prince Charming, not Prince Charming, uh, with Arthur. They're just a new character that Poe has to take under his wing and train to be the Dragon Warrior. Two, Tigress, the perennial... Uh, forever the bridesmaid, but never the bride. Of like, Tigress is probably the most well-equipped, and I think it'd be an interesting dynamic of the person that's the most inexperienced with Poe has to be the one to train Tigress. Um, next option, Chameleon himself of converting the bad guy and actually leaving the bad guy alive this time, and actually trying to convert them to be the Dragon Warrior for good purposes this time around. To to po to pose credit, it is not like he kills them on purpose. They just always do stuff that like ends up him having to like do stuff that kills them. So to pose credit, it's not like he's out here like, nah, sorry, this ends with your death. So what you're Although saying I- is, so what you're saying is, Poe is not a completely a skadoosh bag. <sighs> okay, actually, yeah, I, but I say that, and he like on purpose skadooshed, uh, uh, whatever the Ty first Lung. guys, yeah, Ty Lung, and. Yeah. <laughs> so that was complete murder. So yeah. <laughs> uh Tigress, chameleon of like actually convert the person this time around as opposed to, you know, killing them. A new character. Or the last option is the most out of left field that I think could be really interesting narratively. Master Shifu. Bring it mm. full circle of Master Shifu is the one that didn't want to train Poe. And now he doesn't want to learn from Poe. I think that could be interesting. The, it's the last yeah. left. That's why it's the most out of left field of just like, I'm just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks. Uh, it could be Ugoi's last lesson to Master Shifu. I don't know. It's I'm not there's, married to I, it now. I'm not married to yeah, it now. Now that I say it, I'm just kind of ditching it. I think 
he almost have to do something somebody completely completely new because Shifu and Tigress have been there the, the you know this entire time for the past three movies. Kill so they learned the less mm, do it. I dare you. Um, but like they've been there narratively the all three movies, so they've quote unquote learned the same lessons as Poe has, uh, or through Poe. So I, I it's hard to because it wasn't really the only reason would they needed a dragon warrior in the first one was because tai long had escaped and you know ugo was like yo time for the dragon warrior so to me they might have to expand the quote-unquote lore of the dragon warrior just a little bit to kind of give us a reason why this is a why is chameleon a threat that you know poe po and the you know the five can't deal with and see shifu so it's like okay where it it makes me concerned but i'm still hyped regardless lastly for our news this week told you we're light on news we <laughs> finally get confirmation of this i feel like this thing has been start stop forever now and they've been on defensive whether or not they're making it or there's been well we're, we're thinking about it or we're hard to work on the script but now we can officially say we're getting a sequel to dodgeball and vince vaughn will be returning to star in the film I am so excited. Uh, this is not a great comedy movie. It's just kind of run of the mill. <laughs> yeah. It's not the best movie, but for a certain generation that grew up with it, it still holds a very special place in their hearts, myself included. A large generation. It's the same generation that's traumatized by giant logs on the interstate. Uh, it's that generation. We'll label you as your own generation now. That generation still to this day, could tell you the five Ds of dodgeball. Uh, they could also tell you, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. It's also, between this and Men in Black, where we discover the greatest name in movie history, the actor known as Rip Torn. And I'm going, that's, oh, that's a fantastic name. Also introduced the world to the fantastic Alan Tudyk. Well, I mean, he was on Firefly, but no one watched it. Come at me. Josh will back me up on that one. There's a yeah, reason I, Firefly I, got canceled. I um, do. Yeah, let's not go down that road. Yeah, Josh geez. hates Firefly with a burning passion. I, okay, okay. Sons. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, 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 no. no, no I don't. Okay, yeah. That's... <laughs> 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 I don't think about it. I, 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 I think I hate it because everyone built it up so much. And so the one I saw it, I was like, this is fine. I mean, it's kind of cool, but it's fine. Like <laughs> now, it's really hard to go back and watch it because Joss Whedon. Have fun with that. Uh, but getting back to dodgeball, this is like kind of gets lumped in the same conversation. And I feel like also gets kind of overshadowed by like an Anchorman or a Step Brothers. Is that like mm -hmm. that generation? Also, if I remember correctly, wasn't this directed by Ben Stiller? I believe so. Um, I love dodgeball. It's dumb, and I don't care. And I have wanted to see a sequel for a while. It's one of those of like comedy sequels that are way past the original tend to be dangerous risks. Uh, Anchorman 2, The Legend Continues, or heaven forbid, Zoolander 2 that has not been spoken of mm. for many a year because it bombed so hard and everyone forgot that it was a thing. But usually comedy sequels take place many years after the original don't last. I don't know. Maybe it's just my blind naivete. I, I choose to believe that this could be good because I would be curious to see how Dodgeball would adapt to the age of technology and whatnot. Because there's this current 
going through the original movie of like old school versus new school. It's very Rocky Four in that way of like, do you train in the barn with the crappy people or do you train at Globo Gym where you feel good about yourself and you work out with Blazer and you learn a word of the day because you're sophisticated. Dodgeball is dumb and I love it. It's just Good Burger except with a gym instead of a restaurant. It's the exact same movie. Also, uh, I believe it was Heather that gave me this idea because Dodgeball is one of her favorite comedies, which I still think is the funniest thing in the world. Uh, Wait, really? Heather? Okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> but she, she floated the idea that, once again, a very specific audience will know this, that the Disney movie Heavyweights starring Ben Stiller is a prequel to Dodgeball. Gosh, dang it. <laughs> hate that hate all of that it makes um, sense though I, it does i was not i i i think i saw dodgeball like once at a sleepover and have not seen it since that sounds so, right yeah sounds it's pretty accurate for me uh but yeah bring it on sure why not i i think there's if, if there is a genre of movie that is lacking right now it is comedy uh and partly because sometimes comedies are hard to write for today's audience um maybe not necessarily hard but you just have to be a little smarter nowadays this you know the same jokes don't always work you know people have grown up on on you know all all these class like dodgeball like anchorman like monty python people have grown up on that so they can see a a a, a inspired inspired setup from there pretty quickly um but like yeah, give us some more stupid comedies. I'm super down. If Vince Vaughn is 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 returning, to me that tells me that they to have a little bit of faith in the project because I I knowing Vince Vaughn, I don't know if he not saying like I know him, but like given that he hasn't been in much lately, I feel like he either a a, a needs work or b no. just nah. The, He's but been like busy man. He, Doing what? What was the last thing he was in? Freaky, which was a few years ago. Fighting with my family as a character's name that we're oh, not going to say yeah. on the oh, on the podcast. That, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, no, for uh, free uh, fighting with my family was like five, six years ago. Twenty nineteen. That's five, six years ago. Um, <laughs> say again? No, no, no. Anyway, um. Yeah, but if it, I say all this to say, Vince, if Vince is returning, then yeah, like they they've got to have like a solid script. It'll be interesting to see if it's Ben Stiller. It still better be directing. Ben Stiller yeah. coming back I, for I, it. Yeah, that I can see him writing directing. Zoolander failed because I think it is such a very specific brand of 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 comedy and jokes that doesn't necessarily translate to today's culture. So. Uh, especially since you know like inf internet influencers are a thing like the mo the term model has definitely changed a whole lot and i don't know if they successfully kind of adapt to that uh whereas dodgeball is something timeless i will always want to smack another child in the face with a, with a bat uh, the big you know rubber ball i had to figure out, i in the middle of that sentence i had to figure out how do i make this not sound terrible fbi um, open up <laughs> we're gonna get canceled hold on <laughs> Yeah, you're going up against some Girl Scout troop with a girl named Bernice that's on horse tranquilizers. Uh, but I guess I can see it now Yeesh. of like you get like Ben Stiller back 
and he's back in shape on his revenge tour um, with this like big, huge social media marketing campaign for Globo Gym. And you can have Average Joe's, on the other hand, going, what's social media? Like completely out of it. And they've got like five people that go to the gym regularly. I- I'm on board. Or... Or Uh-oh. you have Vince Vaughn's character has had like a falling out. And so the second he tries to come back into the dodgeball world, he gets injured and paralyzed from the waist down. <laughs> and then he's, he gets a bit of uh, put in a wheelchair. He's patches a hula hand. Yeah. <laughs> or, or he's the new Ben Stiller. I can see that too. He's the guy in charge of Globo Gym, but I think part of the charm of Average Joe was, besides the fact that he's a mountain of a man, Vince Vaughn looks more like the Average Joe than some other actors. He looks like a regular guy. So I don't know if it, I could buy him as the as the evil. In comparison ben to Ben Stiller? Wait, hold on. I think Ben Stiller plays grimy a-hole better than Vince Vaughn. Because unfortunately, I remember Vince Vaughn starring as Norman Bates in Gus Van Sans. Is it Gus Van Sans? I think. Uh, Psycho remake, shot for shot remake. And I tried every day to forget that movie exists, but <laughs> Fair it, it happened. Uh, but yeah, I, I enjoy the original Dodgeball. It is right up there with the Benchwarmers in terms of this is so stupid, but I enjoy this I level of. Watched- Oddly specific, oh stupid. Oh my gosh. Benchwarmers was a throwback. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that movie. The I used, kid to, that I used eats to love that movie. Sunscreen. Such a dumb. They get they they get the guy from Puerto Rico. I am uh, 12. And, uh, he's like, when he does my identification. I talk about that scene hand. a lot still to this day. Gosh, so, so stinking funny. As per usual, this week's episode is sponsored by T Public, your one-stop shop for all things Uncharted Media merch, whether it is t-shirts, mugs, hoodies, whatever you want with our fantastic designs on them. Go support the show in that way. And also, if you haven't already, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. And if you haven't already subscribed to us on YouTube, we're trying to make our way to a thousand subscribers and you can help us get there. Now, CGI in movies. It's everywhere now. And some people see that as a negative i see it as another storytelling tool that you can use for movies and all like any other tool it all depends on how you want to use it if you try and screw in a nail with a hammer you're gonna screw it up (laughs) uh but if you use a hammer correctly it can be used to build things other people use cgi shortcuts instead of story enhancements there's gonna be some that we talk about today that I was talking to some people about this list, and they're like, that's CGI. I'm going, that's how you know it's done well, is when you can't even tell that it's CGI. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yes, I don't think it's bad that we're seeing more and more CGI in movies. It all depends on how much time the CGI artists were given, because that's something we lamented last week, and what its uses are. Sometimes, Halloween Resurrection, not Halloween Resurrection, Halloween H2O, you CGI Michael's mask, and it makes no sense. If you do it for no good reason then it's stupid. If it's a tool to help the story, fantastic. Again, the ones that we're going to talk about today, they're more or less our personal picks of like things that have stuck out in our brain. So at least for me, I try to like kind of factor in of, has it stood the test of time? Does it still look good by today's standards? What did it look mm-hmm. like for its time? Like there's some effects that looked good in its time, like really good for its time. It hasn't necessarily aged 
as well nowadays, but I don't care as much. It's it's a little weird. Um, I'm all across the board on mine. Of like, it could be full scene, oh, could be full scenery, it could be specific things. Um, I'm all over the place. What what about you? How'd you approach this? Uh, I see. I tried to. I kind of did about the same in that I, I tried to stay away from the, uh, well, you know, the, the CGI in this movie to terminate in Terminator two is incredible because of how groundbreaking it was. And to their credit. Yeah. I will never, ever discredit the work that they do in, in Terminator two. It's a fantastic movie. And the effects for the time were absolutely incredible. They don't look great now, but they still like are very convincing and very interesting um i'll kind of stay away from those movies um as far as uh, as this list goes um stuff like jurassic park the dinosaurs look great in some shots in some shots uh to the trained eye for the most part now you can kind of see where they're cut you know it's that first time easier that first time that you see the dinosaurs in the open field hasn't aged well like when the t-rex breaks out that still looks pretty good, but that's because a good chunk of that is just a giant puppet. But yeah, yes. yeah, we're kind of all over the place of trying to, to figure out how it's aged. Yes. Uh, so to to I'll start us off because I want to get this one out of the way because <sighs> I w- never like talking about these movies. But uh, if we're going to talk about some of the best CGI in the game, um, it is hard to not bring up the Transformers series uh, and not nearly in not any all uh, honestly all of them smack hard um it is one of the reasons why i'm hyped for the new one outside of the beast wars because i i loved beast wars as a kid but like it's they always look good they're always interesting the way that they as the movies progress in like another series we'll talk about i'll talk about later the way when the movies progress you can see them fine-tuning all the details and all the transformations the way that nothing everything always feels like it's actually there actually physically there uh regardless of uh you know if the character is in the foreground he's a close-up next to a human who's definitely in the physical space the transformers movies do a really really good job of being believable uh, you always feel the weight and the scale. Uh, it is, it's, it's, it, it's just a masterclass. It's really hard to get it, get anything worse. Now, I mean, I understand that I do not like the Transformers movies for the most part, but like, I can appreciate how good they are when it comes to artistry. I completely agree. And I'm glad you brought it up because it's definitely on my list. However, I put a caveat on it. Of I put just the first movie because I feel like as the movies went on, they were still good, but I feel like since they were cranking them out so fast, there wasn't as much attention to detail put on them just because there was so much. That's fair. They were so dense as the movies progressed. It's just like everything's got to have CG in it. Like, was it the third one when there's like a big snake one that like collapses a building? Mm. Like, what was the render time on that one shot alone? 28 weeks. <laughs> um, but the first one for 2007 still holds up incredibly oh, yeah, well. Like it actually feels tactile. Like you could feel it. Um, I also put the first one specifically because this was a thing that definitely 
changed as the movies progressed and they got lazier and lazier with it of at least with the first one when a character transforms you could see what part goes where when it's like a car or yes. humanoid of like it almost was the full transformation as the movies progressed they would do like some form of a cut or show something different so they didn't have to bother showing everything like and at least in that first one I'm going ah i could see all the individual gears and motors moving and trans literally transforming so i'm going ah this is where that piece is when it's a car as opposed mm-hmm. to when he's human and that that makes sense that first one still looks really good and it's the first besides bumblebee it's still my favorite but yeah, even when the story wasn't at its best the transformers movies definitely got progressively worse i will still absolutely give credit where credit's due the special effects were fantastic and i think that's a good reason why they always did really well financially as the movies went on even though they weren't good quality wise mm-hmm. people that were going for popcorn flicks and for the spectacle were never disappointed because visually michael bay's flair is unmatched he has a very specific mm-hmm. skill set when it comes to how he presents his effects in movies he is a master class in that specific department not just with transformers michael bay will never be my favorite director but i will always give him kudos for none of his movies look unfinished like some other directors mm-hmm. like they always look really impressive visually not the best that we'll talk about today in terms of mechanized beings but yeah for 2000 <laughs> for 2007 <laughs> they still hold up really well and i think that first one is still the template that all things should go should be measured against like the the creatures don't feel pristine they're still a little bit of like grit to them they feel lived in things feel real but primarily because once again as we watch corridor crew stuff they feel real elements alongside of it to accent that it's it's knowing when to pick your spots like when uh who's the tan decepticon it's not megatron i don't think the one that turns into a helicopter that optimus prime like kind of shoulder blocks into the bus like they blew up that bus for real oh yeah, 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 yeah like it's michael bay knows when Sounds weird to say, but Michael Bay knows when to use CG and when to use practical. He does still use practical, people. Uh, Yeah, that first Transformers, I know the the later sequels have a bad reputation, but go back and watch that first one. That visual effects really hold up. Oh, absolutely. It's it's not a series I like to bring up a whole lot just because, especially once Marky Mark shows up in the series. I'm an inventor. it gets bad, worse and worse and let's, worse. Let's I, take a full solid five minutes to explain why it's okay that I'm dating this underage girl. <laughs> okay, so... So, anyway, <laughs> moving on. And now for something completely different. Um, I guess I'll keep it... Yeah, yeah, I guess I'll keep going. Um, Let's go with something that's not as subtle with its CGI use. Um. Say what you again. Say what you will about the movie. I know it's not perfect. I know not not a whole lot of people like gave it a ten out of ten. But Detective Pikachu is like one of those examples. I think of at the very least creature design that could have easily been nightmare fuel. Could have easily been some of them one still of the, were. I mean, yes, but like intentionally. It, intentionally absolutely so like whenever bringing pokemon to 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 life that there's so many things that could have gone wrong um i would love 
love to see a uh, VFX breakdown of like on 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 screen and stuff like that because, gosh, like some of the ways that people are interacting with their with Pokemon, with certain Pokemons, there's no way there's nothing out still there. There's got to be like little puppets or like little stand-ins or something because the the seamlessness that of the interaction of real human characters who are there and the the cgi characters who still look like they are also there uh, is just incredible I, I i think it is one of those movies that kind of flies under the radar a little bit because you're expecting it it's okay yes we're not going to have live action puppets play pokemon and battle it out no like it is an incredibly beautiful movie it is all the pokemon look how they're supposed to uh for better or for worse um uh but yeah like mewtwo looks amazing like just everybody looks incredible in it but i think the two standouts are naturally pikachu um p people hair slash fur is incredibly difficult cg wise and they've really knocked out of the park with pikachu but the one that hooked me from the first trailer charizard is spectacular cgi like that attention to detail mm, of translating yes. it, yes, just impressive. Uh, Detective Pikachu, not my favorite. It was it was fine. I think the first half when we actually are allowed to see the Pokemon is when it's better of like how the world interacts with these characters. Uh, but yeah, I think creature design and the special effects were incredibly well done. Let's, let's see if I can find one that I don't think Josh will have on his list. See, I don't know because I think so many of these we both have seen. I haven't found memories yeah. for. Okay. I'll go with one that I have not seen, but it's still a shining example of tasteful CGI in an area that is incredibly hard to do. And I think it's the only movie to actually do it right. Fast and Furious 7. Do you know what I'm talking about there, Josh? No, I'm curious now because you know how I I hate those movies. (laughs) So do I. But Fast 7 did the impossible with replacing all the Paul Walker stuff or filling in all the gaps that they could have. Oh gosh. Yes. I forgot about guys. So we all know Paul Walker, unfortunately passed away before he could finish fast seven. So they had a lot of stuff that they still had to fill in and they do a combination of really, really impressive CGI uh, using his brother as a body double to the point of, you can't tell if you're not paying very specific attention to very specific things, like the neckline, which is CG and which is the actually Paul Walker. Like, that is painstaking attention to detail to make sure that they're honoring this character to the best of their ability. Mm-hmm. Say what you want about Vin Diesel uh, and the Fast and Furious of him being very much a control freak or it, how he views the franchise is not how the audience views the franchise. I fully credit Vin Diesel and Vin Diesel alone, as well as the visual effects artist, for making the Paul Walker character look as good as it does in Fast 7. I think it was absolutely his, we need to make this right and get it completely 100% right. We need to make this the most believable looking character ever in order to properly honor our friend and family's legacy here. Um, I still have not seen the movie, but I've seen all the footage of uh, Paul Walker in the movie, and it is astounding work that they were able to pull off considering 
humans are easily the hardest thing to get right in CGI because there's that uncanny valley. We talked last week about Jeff Bridges and Tron Legacy or Grand Admiral Tarkin uh, or Grand Moff Tarkin in Rogue One or Carrie Fisher in Rogue One. But somehow, I think the best movie case scenario is either uh, Fast 7 and a slight honorable mention to the CGI used in The Crow on a couple shots of Brandon yeah. Lee's face. Um, that wasn't used as extensively as the Paul Walker Agreed. footage, but there is some CGI used in the original Crow movie after Brandon Lee passed away. Uh, but the Paul Walker stuff, full hats off to yeah. everyone involved of the CGI artists, the people that put in extra time to make sure it looked as good as possible. Now, let that character retire. Don't overexert yourself because I still worry someday that they'll bring back Brian. Dude, I'm it's... so worried that they do it. I, it would be, it would, I, to me, I think the as quote unquote cool as it would be, it would put such a bad taste in everybody's mouth. Like it just, ah, it, it, I, I, I never want because th- th- there's that whole discussion that, that I, I've seen um, happening right now is that with AI, you can bring back people that have passed away. You can bring their characters back. It's like, okay, cool. But like, isn't that a little disrespectful? (laughs) Like you're kind of using, yeah, that's a whole nother discussion for another day, but um, let's bring one that I don't think will be on your list, but I think you will not be surprised that it's on mine. Um, There is a movie that uses, I mean, it does all the tips and tricks of CGI and uses them very well. Um, District 9 is a movie that mm. uh, about an alien invasion or an alien immigration. Um, it, you'd have to see the movie to really like understand. But it's the way that the aliens feel like they're still there. The ship in the background that's always there never feels like it's just a matte painting or something like that. Like the amount of, um, the amount of practical effects they use, plus all of the, the act, the actual like motion capture and uh, it just, the amount of work that they would have had, they had to do on just the opening 15 minutes of this movie is would be just a, just crazy because you have you know a bunch of of CGI characters getting mixed in with real life characters it's just yeah it's an incredible movie to watch from a CGI standpoint it's an interesting movie to watch from an audience standpoint i'm not i, I personally it's not one of my favorites but I, I enjoyed it enough that and appreciate the the craft enough to be like wow like what they accomplished here is like actually pretty incredible yeah, if I remember correctly, that also didn't have a very big budget to work with. So like no. they really No, it did not. They really stretched <laughs> the visual effects and did every trick they possibly could. Uh well, he's not my favorite director. Neil Blomkamp, who did District Nine, has quite a good pedigree when it comes to visual effects, because he did another movie that not a lot of critics liked called Chappie. But that also <laughs> also <laughs> yeah, 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 South African <laughs> also has spectacular effects. Like Chappie Agreed. itself looks like it's there it looks like a person in a suit or it looks like an animatronic like that's really good cg um let's go with an obvious one here um yeah that i feel like is gonna be on josh's list here our first andy circus of the day uh the entire 
Planet of the Apes trilogy, the modern Apes trilogy, uh, the yeah, a- the yeah. apes themselves. Yeah, yeah. Y'all, after a certain point in these movies, they're just showing off just to show off. They're like, the first one, they're like, wow, we made these realistic looking apes. And then in the second and third one, they're just like, so we got that down. What if we introduce a whole bunch of rain and snow and mud and all the visual effects artists are going, why are you doing this to us? Who did we piss <laughs> off? Because and, and then also have those characters interact riding horses with horses and ride horses into battle uh, and fire guns. Like there's so many things that yeah that they do in this series with with the, with the apes that it, it I said I wouldn't bring bring up like groundbreaking movies but the work that Weta does with the planet of the eights movies is just incredible i to, to if you were if i didn't know anything about movies and you know like i'm stupid to technology or something and you told me that the that all of the monkeys in this movie are not actually there they're just really well-trained monkeys there or real it's just yeah, like uh, that's a whole other conversation of like how did, face. This, how, how did that happen? It's what's uh, his face but, from uh, Shang Chi. I saw Planet oh of the God. Apes, and I always thought <laughs> to myself, "How did they train the monkeys to do that?" And then I thought, "It's just a movie, mate. I need to make movies someday, so I can learn how they did it with the monkeys." So you thought they trained monkeys in Planet of the Apes? Yeah, brilliant stuff, isn't it? <laughs> I just. <laughs> Shang Chi is great. Yes, it is. Uh, yeah, but yeah. Sorry, I. It is. Yeah, it's on my list. It. it of course, I think it has I, to be. I, I, I put War of the Planet of the Apes because it, because it is the culmination of all three movies. Um, the of just you know, like you said, you have hair on an animal that is interacting with its environment with rain, snow, mud. It's. All kinds of different, like, it's so, like, mind-blowing to see the amount of work that would have had to go, go into every single frame of this of those movies. So I got four slash five characters. Uh, like, I've got a couple different things of, like, scenes and just movies entirely, but also have, like, characters. Uh, one in particular, I don't see nearly enough in the conversation for how good the visual effects are on this character, given how old the movie is. I believe it was either 2005 or 2006. Josh is well familiar with this movie. We both are. Aslan in the Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Aslan looks really, really good. All the visual effects for Narnia look really good. Like the centaur looks Mm -hmm. outstanding. A lot of that is because a good portion of those, like the Minotaur, they were practical effects. Uh, but Aslan, again, fur is incredibly difficult. But for a lot of it, I feel like Aslan is actually in the scene, not just some CGI thing that was added mm-hmm. in post. Like, it feels tactile. It feels like you can actually feel the fur. It feels like you can run your fingers through his mane, assuming, you know, He's alive and has mane and isn't brutally murdered. Yeah, uh, which is, yeah, because I have a vivid memory of seeing that scene where uh, he finally comes back to life and Sus- Susan and, and Lucy like hug him and run their fingers through his fur. Mm-hmm. And I was like, as a kid, I was like, how, 
how are they doing that? That is incredible. Um, and honestly, that gives me a leg up for my for my next one too because, like we all like we've said multiple times, fur is incredibly hard to do, uh, and albeit that technically the movie is CGI CGI completely. Don't say cats. Human character. I was gonna say Jungle Book in two thousand six. I have that one too, because I have eyes. You know, the only good uh, Disney remake was out there. Yes. Yeah. Yes, because it's it's so good. Like I think the thing that separates it from um, the rest of them, especially from Lion King, is uh, the animals are allowed to have expressions. They're allowed Bingo. to look and ha- and show emotion. Um, uh, the reason, like I can connect it to Aslan, is because of Shere Khan, and Shere Khan looks so good and so terrifying. But like that's you know not including the te- oddly terrifying. Uh, uh, orangutan played by christopher walken um that's the terrifying like also, part yeah it, it, gosh that thing that scene was like i remember like going into that scene and being like oh this is gonna be so much fun like from the animated movie and it ends up being like actually terrifying, like really scary i was, love uh-huh. i love all the memes that came out of that movie of just like of oh, course oh, christopher really walken well. plays a character that gets summoned by ringing a cowbell <laughs> yes gotcha but like baloo looks fantastic uh, again you have a human character interacting with a c interacting with a cgi character who has is covered in fur and oftentimes they're both floating through water which water is another hard really really hard thing to do so like it just you know it's our boy john favreau And Josh is just died. Oh, I think also what, what works. Josh, Josh is freaking out over there. I think. Oh, there he's back. What also works with Jungle Book is, yeah, the characters are really impressive, like Baloo, like Shere Khan. But that's not it. The only thing real in this movie is the boy. Everything else is CGI. Like, it's all just filmed in Robert Rodriguez's garage, probably. Uh, uh, just everything <laughs> is CGI, and it still looks outstanding. Like, if it was just the characters, that's impressive in and of itself. But you look at the texture work, it's, despite the fact it was, what, 2016? Mm-hmm. It's still the best-looking one, like Lion King. The Everything else, except for the the creatures looked okay, but Jungle Book is still the threshold of what? Like, take out the talking animals. You could tell someone that this was just filmed in a jungle somewhere, and I would totally believe it because it just looks genuine. Mm. It looks real. It is incredible. It's one of those, again, CGI can be useful to transport you to different worlds and making you not even realize that it is cg if used correctly it's a powerful tool that just immerses you into the story you forget that it's cg almost immediately because it just it feels so real it feels like you're in the world not in a blue box isn't that right quantumania yes i and it's what that's one of the reasons i didn't put avatar on this on this list uh because it's a blue box it uh like 
and I don't want to as much as we bag on Avatar. It is a technical achievement what they did did in the first one, and it is even more of a technical achievement when they did in the second one. Um, the way I, I will applaud them combining practical and CG. Uh, the way that they problem solved a lot of the a lot of that movie in ways that we hadn't th- thought of before. Incredible, but I think having and you know the first avatar does this ha- has this problem having cgi characters along next to humans will always be hard and but even harder when everyone's covered in fur so like that's why i'm gonna go with jungle jungle book 2016 it's incredible uh yeah that's about all i can say about that so josh mentioned this at the beginning and i was biting my tongue because to me i still think it does look really really good uh, the Liquid Terminator from Terminator 2. Uh, not all the time does the T-1000 look great. Like when he's yeah. getting shot with the <laughs> shotgun shells in the mall. That is clearly someone duct taping the little circles on him in between shots. Uh, but the Liquid Terminator form is still incredibly impressive even to this day. You could tell James Gunn, uh, not James Gunn, James Cameron was, wait for it, wait for it getting his feet wet with the liquid effect with the movie The Abyss. I want to smack my head into the desk. Get it? Because James Cameron loves water more than he loves people. Uh, he was getting his feet wet with The Abyss, which is where you see that like liquid effect for the first time. But uh, that was like the trial run. I think he really perfected it with uh, the T-1000 and T-2. I, it still looks so good to this day. Uh, I haven't nailed down if we're going to do it or not, but Feel like at some point soon we should do best practical effects in which case mm. i would also throw terminator 2 in there when the t1000 is frozen and he gets blasted into a bunch of pieces that is a very impressive practical effect uh but the shot that still i think looks really good to this day is where the t1000 is walking through the jail cell and he like morphs through it and then gets his That's ar- fair. gets his arm caught with the gun and then pulls that through him going that is a very hard thing to do, even by today's standard. The fact that you're doing it in 1991 is impressive. Um, also, I just think I like Terminator 2 more than Josh. Um, <laughs> That's fair. Josh not, is in the I, minority I, I, on T2 for some reason. I It's good. I, it's just not one of my... I don't think it's one of the greatest of all time. It's 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 a good movie. But uh, yeah, I, 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 I tend to not... Because I was so sheltered growing up, I tend to be a little uh, not... Not as blind to nostalgia. Excuse me. I didn't watch it growing up either. Yeah, well. <laughs> I can have fun in movies, apparently. I can't. Okay. Which is so funny coming from me, because like I'll, I'll see stuff and I'll go, yeah, that was fun. And the whole internet's like, it was awful. I'm like, gosh, shut up, have fun. Um, so I got but, five uh, more. How many more you got? Five more as well, my Perfect. friend. Perfect. We're in sync but, like a Backstreet oh. Boy. Um, I hate that. I hated that. <laughs> That's one of those who's just like, he's a little slow, but he got the right idea. <laughs> what's that what's that meme from uh from from the for the Captain America show? Um he's out of line, but he's, but he's right. right. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Um okay, so let me get this out of the way. Get these two out of the way because it's me. You know I'm going to talk about Dune. You know I'm going to talk about Blade, Blade Runner, Runner 2049. 2049. Uh, it's like, they're the givens for me. I have Blade I, Runner, I, so yeah, knock that out. Yeah, okay. So uh, Blade Runner is, I think, 
the thing that does it for me is sometimes I don't real like we always say the best CGI is when you don't realize they're CGI. I never feel like when he's driving over the city, like oh that is just a CG model flying over another CG model, or that's a practical ship flying over a CG model. Like never ever ever do I feel like there's anything out of place. The way that they do all of the just the, the lighting in the city with all of the ads is incredible. The um the way that uh his that the joy interacts with the environment in his apartment is incredible. Like wow like changing changing costume being translucent like just uh, I, I, obviously I could talk about it a, a whole lot, but like, I'd love to hear what you, you find interesting about uh, it, Blade Runner 2049. It honors the original legacy of the original Blade Runner, which I feel like was a lot of that was practical with still some CG, mm-hmm. but bringing the original Blade Runner into modern sensibilities, like mm-hmm. it feels futuristic sci-fi, but never takes you out of it by being, being too sci-fi like a lot of this like futuristic sci-fi movies can be like unbelievable like you can't feel like you're touching the world that's uh, so it's kind of my metric for cgi is if you look at something can you feel what the texture is in your mind without even being able to touch it and i think blade runner 2049 you immediately get a sense of what this world is same thing with dune like denny villeneuve is a master of special effects because of uh, the sandworms in Dune. Dude. Incredible. Or what what is the the grasshopper looking ships that they fly? That's dragonfly ships, yes. I guess. As Those it, are just spectacular. The, the, the way that they had to, I mean, obviously, uh quarter crew does break down on the ships themselves because it is incredible the amount of layering that they had to do to create just it, it's so funny because I, I i watched the quarter saturday videos with my dad because of the first time he watched it with me he was like wow that's that i didn't even think that those all those things they would have had to deal with and i was like yeah because you watch those ships you're like yeah okay cool that's just four wings moving back and forth yes however if you're working with a cg model and trying to do motion blur and trying to have that model fly through the air and having that model fly through the air with smoke or with sand there's all it's just dude those those ships are incredible it's even harder because they had to work with darude for some of those special effects for that sandstorm you knew that was coming get away get away (laughs) bring out all the terrible Uh puns tonight i'm just just not having it apparently um it's not on my list but honorable mention to tron legacy because any yeah any of the battle arena stuff looks immaculate now if you could have just taken some of the budget that you took on special effects and put it to a better script the movie might have made more money uh, <laughs> or it, just it into great. the yeah into the jeff bridges <laughs> one yeah yeah i was going to say or just into like the the uh the young jeff bridges model cuz gosh that is is too shiny there's it doesn't need to be that shiny <laughs> So Josh brought up a great point about CGI being used to blend into the scene to the point that you do not recognize that it is CGI. Uh, I got two movies that absolutely fit into that category. One, you're going to be like, well, yeah, naturally. The other one, you're going, I wouldn't be surprised if some of our audience is going, there's CGI in that movie? Uh, the obvious one, because every video essayist in the world has pointed this out, 
Mad Max Fury Road. Spoiler alert, guys, they didn't actually drive into a sandstorm with Darude playing Gosh, in the background. Um, when, I, when I tell you it was hard to not bring this movie up, it was so hard not to... I, I, I was figured. Like, no, That's I, why it's an honorable I, mention I, for me. <laughs> yes, go for it. Keep going. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it it's one of those stuff CGI can be a good thing, people, because it accents the movie. It's not distracting. It It's a tool used to complement the movie, and the CGI is used so well for Mad Max Free Road. Uh, but the one that Mm-hmm. People might not realize even has a lot more CGI than you think. There's it's throughout the entire movie. 1917. That CGI oh, yeah. is immaculate to the point of people not even realizing that it's CGI. Did you know they didn't actually film the whole movie in one take? Um But the the one thing in particular from 1917 I'm going, that wasn't CG was towards the tail end of the movie when our main protagonist passes the burning church that's like illuminating the night sky mm. that's not real that's entirely cgi which i'm when i saw that i'm going excuse me what that no and they use cgi to merge shots together so it made it look like it was that one long continuous shot but 1917 is that prime example of using cgi in such a subtle way that you don't even know the cgi is there to begin with and it's done so brilliantly um it's one of the most subtle cgis but i wanted to make sure i put a a subtle one that accentuates the movie and i think 1917 is one of the prime examples of that i i absolutely feel that yeah absolutely um because i i there's so much stuff that happens in that movie that there's no like yeah because doesn't the uh the the church is just like a wall of lights that Mm -hmm. they programmed to to look like flames like and not like like the pictures of flames guys like just the colors of flames which is so cool so fast if you ever want to go see a really 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 cool uh special effects breakdown look for the ones on 1917 because it's just all the stuff that they do to enhance their story not use it as a crutch is it just incredible um something that i i want to get i'm trying to debate uh, i want to get this one out of the way because i have a lot to say about my last two um because they're tied together um i want to get interstellar out of the way of, really of the top three. yes um your I favorite think, christopher uh, nolan movie Hmm. Um, I don't think Josh has a favorite Christopher Nolan movie. Um, probably Batman Begins. Um, okay, okay. Or Dark Knight, technically, but that, I guess that that feels like cheating a little the bit. Prestige. Uh, <laughs> Inception is is still really good. Um, even if it has been picked apart for for years and years and years. But all that to say, Interstellar has some of the most imp- impressive. Uh, CGI to to date, um, the fact that they in the movie came up with a design uh, for black holes and how they would look because there's based on actual time, scientific information. Yeah, before there before that time, there were no real pictures of we haven't we didn't get a picture like a quote unquote picture of what a black hole looks like until I want to say like five, four or five years ago. Like it's it's been fairly recent, so. 
but to have that physically represented on screen in a way that was scientific and accurate to the point that scientists were coming out and be like, well, that's oddly accurate. Okay. It's crazy that you got that right. Um, is, is incredible. Uh, the, I think the scene that could have easily gone wrong and weird, it, it's still weird, but not in the, it's not weird because the CGI is bad is that ending scene where he's like at the end of the, you know, the, the space between dimensions, I guess. The world between what worlds. It. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Like that could have easily looked terrible. It is a beautiful section of the movie that uh, really shows how far you can push both physical, uh, like a character being in a space, but then also having incredible, fascinating things happen, happen around him. Um, the section of the movie is absolutely berserk and I don't like how it ends, but that's not the, it's a very, it, it uses like all space movies do uses a CGI to make things more believable, but in a way that had never been done before in a way that is honestly awe inspiring. Yeah. Interstellar still is incredible and also i think it's the most out there cgi wise for christopher nolan to date because mm-hmm. he's so gung ho on practical 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 but he, he definitely does <laughs> still do cgi more than he would like to admit uh yeah, yeah man you got to do those uh those practical atom bombs <laughs> it's a oppenheimer's a prequel to interstellar <laughs> he's gonna drop Watch a bomb it. in a black hole oh god it comes full circle um but no, I'll get it out of the way now because it's in all the graphics everywhere. Guillermo del Toro's Pacific Rim just feels like Guillermo del Toro's visual effects department is just showing off because they do some of the most complicated things to do. Um, not only do they have giant kaiju and giant mech suits, they don't just slap these guys in the middle of broad daylight in the middle of a mildly dense city. No, they would leave that for the sequel in some of the most uninspiring fight scenes I've ever seen. <laughs> no, the, every fight in Pacific Rim, they put in visually interesting spots and visually interesting scenarios. They're going, it's not enough that these giant monsters are fighting. How about we put in some rain simulation and just cover everything in rain? And the, again, the CGIers are going, why do you hate us, Guillermo? What did we do to you? It's it's not enough, uh, but it's also I love the Pacific Rim's. It sounds weird in a movie with giant kaiju and giant mech suits. I love that the physics and the logic of the world makes sense. Of again, Corridor Crew brings up this great point of mm, if yes. you've got these giant mechs, they're gonna move slowly. Yes, they cover a lot of ground, but they move slowly because they're big, lumbering, mechanical things. It's Again, something Pacific Rim Uprising did not learn, having them just move at normal speeds. Having them move slowly and you feel the weight with every step makes it feel so much more real, and the CG is immaculate. Um, I always go back and watch that fight when Gypsy Danger first pops in. Like, It doesn't make sense that it and the kaiju are both standing in the middle of the ocean. Like, I get that you're tall, but you're not that tall that you can stand on the ocean floor and be okay um but then yeah the kaiju f- throws gypsy danger into that dock but there's a shot of 
the kaiju like stepping and the way that its foot like collapses the ground underneath him going that that's impressive that that feels i can feel the weight in that step alone it's visually interesting it's visually gorgeous uh but even take the kaiju out the locations are interesting they're fascinating to look at it feels a little weird because I feel like it's got a little bit of that hobbitness in it. Of I think it's not necessarily twenty four frames per second, and it feels a little something feels weird about it at times. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but considering this movie is ten years old now, <laughs> I hate time. Wow, um, I think it still is like the peak example of giant monster CGI fight to the point of like Godzilla versus Kong is good. But it doesn't look as cool as Pacific Rim does from 10 years ago because they put all the money into that hoping there would be a franchise. And in a sense, it was ish. Uh, yeah, but like, I mean, I, I do get honorable mention to, to Kong versus Godzilla or Godzilla versus Kong because, I mean, even like that sign, that scene on the boats where they're fighting on the boats is in it. God, it's so crazy you can feel the weight they uh yeah yeah um so my last two are uh tied together because uh they're from the same franchise uh i watched one of them recently and it's hard to ignore the other one uh the parts of the caribbean series has some of the most subtle and not so subtle uh uses of cgi that have stood the test of time for no reason. I don't know why. Uh, I just recently watched the uh, Curse of the Black Pearl. Um, the fight, the ending fight where they're going in and out of the moonlight, turning from human to skeleton, from human to skeleton, back and forth. Incredible. Still was like, I was blown away. How, 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 uh, It's so, oh, dude, I just, the Pirates series has really good CG and I have, it doesn't deserve it sometimes. <laughs> So that's one of my last two is something Pirates of the Caribbean yes. related, but it's something very specific. Uh, I will yes. say Pirates of the Caribbean is one of those CG that I don't think I appreciated as a kid. It was just mm-hmm. like a, a franchise. But now that I watch them going, they really did go really above and beyond for the special effects of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. One thing in particular, Davy Jones is single-handedly yeah. one of the greatest and most underrated CGI creations in cinematic history for what was it 2006 2005 2006 his introduction in dead man's chest he still to this day looks phenomenal like it it doesn't again this is sounds weird but and hard to describe but it doesn't feel cg at all like the little movements that his tentacle beard are always doing at any given moment. Like, it would be so easy for CGRs to go, "Uh, I don't feel like animating this. He's going to be standing still, so we're going to have the beard stay still. But it's like a Medusa head. It's always got a little bit of movement to it no matter what. And it still looks so good. We talk about how hair is difficult and how water is difficult. He's a gross, slimy man at all times, and it's so hard to do. Uh, and then it's either the second or the third one when he's playing piano with his beard. That has no right going as hard as it does visually. Yeah. Um, 
Yes. They even so, had the yeah, balls yeah, yeah. in the third one to put him in broad daylight. Like normally Dude. Normally they <laughs> keep him in like dark shadow because that's where he he lives under the sea and then like the cloud of mystery I surrounds him. But in the third one they had the balls to put my my guy in a bucket on the shore. But he still <laughs> CGI looks good. I still can't get over the fact most fearsome villain in all parts of the Caribbean. And he's standing, standing. in a bucket. It's I, so and if I'm Jack Sparrow, just, you just tip him over. Just brief yeah. tip him over and run away. It's so good. Okay, okay, we harp we we harp in the on two and three and definitely four and five. Hey, I like uh, two. I like two. I, as far as like they are the decline, blah blah blah. Two and three are they're solid movies. There, I I agree. They are not as good as Black Pearl, but the if we're doing from a CGI um, discussion alone, Davy Jones is one of the best CGI characters ever created. The motion cap uh, uh, performance, the way that. Like I'm just trying to imagine like the the conversation that the the director and producers were having with the artists like okay so we need a guy who has uh, a beard okay yeah cool we can I don't know why we're animating a beard it's going to be made of tentacles okay and it's going to be one specific look- guy in the visual effects department yes. goes ah oh, my time has come oh <laughs> uh, he's going to need to look wet and slimy but also like still there and not shiny he needs that uh, rhyme oh yes it did uh oh and by the way his entire crew is gonna have to also be yes. an amalgamation of of sea creatures so uh, good luck i guess <laughs> like god and then the cg go artist so hard the cgi artist just went and freaking did it they're just like yeah. they did um dude and then honorable mention another specific moment from pirates of the caribbean not Davy Jones related, but it is in the third one. And it's when Lord Beckett's ship is being blown up and he's slowly walking down the stairs. That shot yes! is impossible. Like, y'all, the corridor crew covered this one too. It is such a complicated shot because it's there's fog which doesn't sound that complicated, but it's fog. It's moving projectiles with a real set motion tracking it with a whole bunch of elements all coming together. And I'm going, that doesn't sound that bad. And then you peel back the onion a little bit and you see all the layers to it. I'm going, Oh, that's a lot of moving parts. I'm going to put the, I'm going to put the layer back and just enjoy it as a flat JPEG that it is. Um, I'm just merging a whole bunch of analogies there, but you get what I mean? Yeah. Cause yeah, because you have all of that plus the main focus of the screen of the of on the screen is moving in slow motions. It's just, it's an incredible shot. There's uh, there's so many shots, even in four and five. That why 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 was that? Why did that go so hard? Um, even from like if we ever talk about that, ever have like a stunt performing um section, that uh wheel that wheel fight oh. uh, in in three is. Two. Unnecessarily awesome. Two. <laughs> I thought it's the second one. Because it's uh, Dead Man's chest. Because they're fighting uh, over the sure. chest. The yeah, third one. Sure. The third one ends with the Two. big old toilet drain where they're firing okay. ships at each Which other. Is, That's also okay. impressive. 
And it's such a cool shot. Like I just two two ships going in circles down down a whirlpool, shooting at each other. That is such a like I thought as a kid watching that in the theaters, I was very much like, Yeah, this is like peak entertainment. Nothing will ever be better than this. Like it, that's so cool. The cool thing is, like, it also works as an action scene, but it also works as symbolism as the franchise literally circling the drain. <laughs> Oh, I hate that you're right. That's the peak. It made a lot of money, but it never recovered from the third one. It never did. Never recovered. Poor guys, man. (laughs) All Uh, right. What's your what's what's your last one there, Ben? So my last one is a tie because one of these characters gets all the glory and fame when it comes to CGI characters, Mm. and the other one I think is done better. And I know some people are going to hate me for it, and I don't care. I'll die on the hill that while Gollum is one of the greatest CGI characters of all time, and it's one of the greatest motion capture performances of all time by Andy Serkis, I think Dobby is incredibly underrated and might be done better than Gollum. Dobby still holds up. Dobby, I having just seen Lord of the Rings again recently... I feel like Dobby is more in the scenes that he's actually in than Gollum is. Like, as a kid, I paid no attention to it, but Dobby picking up the lamp and whacking himself in the head and then Harry picking it up and putting it back on the the counter, I'm going, wait, 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 hold, hold up, hold up. How did you do that? Like, for real? Did you have, like, an actual shorter actor motion capturing this? or how How does this work? Dobby does not get the credit I think he deserves as much as he's not my favorite character from a visual standpoint I think he deserves to be on par with Gollum and I think he doesn't get the recognition because he came out around the same time it's kind of the same issue that I think Ahmed Best and Jar Jar face guys Mm. Jar Jar just because you don't like the character Jar Jar deserves more recognition in the CGI world than Gollum does come at me Jar Jar came Two years before Gollum, but because we didn't like the character, we don't want to give credit to the CGIers for some reason. Jar Jar is so important to the world of CGI. Yeah, Phantom Menace was 99. Two years? Yeah, Phantom Menace was 99, and Fellowship was 2001. Holy crap. Yeah, I didn't I hadn't I hadn't even realized that. Yeah, because that's like a full-on motion capture performance the entire time. What? Even if even if they don't like have him like in a suit on the set or anything like that. He was He's in a, a suit. Full... He was in a suit on the set. You can see pictures yeah, of him like... with the with the head over here and like the goggles and oh, whatnot. So, sorry, what what I mean is like he wasn't on in a mocap suit yeah, right, on, right, right. on 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 uh set. But like yeah. Jar Jar absolutely like Dobby is one of those that's like yes like he deserved I can absolutely agree I had not even realized that Jar Jar was two years prior was before which the more and more you think about it and I understand people have their issues with Phantom Menace I personally love it honorable mention I guess to to uh to to Phantom Menace um taking Mm -hmm. aliens in a direction that we never thought we'd ever go uh it hasn't aged necessarily well but like the two-headed the two-headed podcast uh pod racer announcer 
still looks pretty good. The CG um, job of the hut. Like there's, there's a lot of stuff they do in Phantom Menace that I looks a lot better than I think we really like give it credit for. Yep. But because people liked the Lord of the Rings movies more than they liked the prequels, the attention immediately goes to them instead. They like got all the recognition and the awards and the prestige and I'm going, I get that the prequels are finding a new life and new recognition with the kids that grew up with them becoming adults now. And I get that people didn't like Jar Jar. But we really need to put more respect on Jar Jar's name because, again, he predated Gollum. And he looks really good for 99. But yeah, getting back to Dobby, the stuff that they do with Dobby, Dobby actually interacts with the Mm -hmm. world. Like, Harry literally handing him the notebook with the sock in it. And I'm going, okay, but... You actually, that looks like a physical prop here that's being held by a CG character. It's similar to the Who Framed Roger Rabbit situation, but that's hand drawn, mm-hmm. not so much CG, but it's that same. We've got to blend these shots really well. Gollum gets all the attention, and rightly so. It's an incredible performance by Andy Serkis, but I think because all the attention is there, the shine kind of comes off of Dobby and especially Jar Jar, and I don't think they should because. They're just as impressive, if not better. But I think some people don't want to have that conversation because they like Lord of the Rings better, which I get. I get, yeah. Because if you're going to sit here and say, like, hmm, who's a more memorable, for good reasons, character, Gollum or Jar Jar? You're going to go Gollum. So I get it. But yeah, that is that's super fascinating. And I think it's Dobby, like... It, the fact that we got we do get to the point with Dobby that like I cried in theaters when he when he dies, dude, incredible, incredible stuff. And Harry's CG, holding that body, yeah, which is a whole other conversation of how how does that performance work? Did they give him a puppet? Did they like give like was there a, just a smaller person? Like how does that did that work? I would love to see a VFX breakdown of that. Just yeah. There's the CGI is always super super cool, and I love that. It sometimes it's really really obvious, but I think nowadays it can hide in plain sight and look a lot better than we give it credit for, especially when we give artists time. Um, looking at you, Marvel, right now, because honestly, none of your Phase Four movies would be in this discussion because there's so many shots in all of your Phase Four movies that they don't look real. They don't look like they're there. Uh, you can tell when they're on a when they're on a sound stage, and you know, uh, for better or for worse, I get why you had to shoot Quantum Media on like a sound stage and in a blue screen and stuff like that. But that doesn't mean like they have to look like they're on a blue screen, like especially like when you can actually see the screen like through unfinished effects on a multi billion dollar project. Like get out of here! That that makes me so mad. What's your last one? No, that though it was the it was the it was the pirates. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, it, it was two. So because it's it's hard to not talk about pi- bo- up all the pirates whenever you bring them up. Pirates, pirates goes way harder than it had any right to. Like again, yeah. I get why they made a lot of money because Disney clearly sunk a lot of money into them. I always think it's cool when you go back and revisit stuff now with more of the adult and I don't want to say cynical, but like more appreciative eyes of looking at the hard work that goes mm-hmm. into certain stuff and realizing what actually holds up a lot better than you think and sometimes what doesn't. Well, what do you guys think? What are some of the best CGI usages in movies, whether it's individual shots or characters, whatever it is, let us know down in the comments below. We just like hearing from you guys. 
And as always, if you like what you see and want to see more, subscribe to us on YouTube. And if you want to check out more podcast episodes, go just search wherever you get your podcast. Just search on Trend Media Podcast. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.